I was at a men's retreat the other week, and I touched on some of this. It was in that men's retreat that I met a young man from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. You from Winston-Salem, North Carolina? Oh, all right. This young man had been in prison for 17 and a half years. He had dabbled in alcohol and drugs and met a couple of friends, and they began to play and experiment with this game called Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of it. You know, church... The church needs to be aware that we are in spiritual warfare and we need to guard against those doorways and those gateways of demonic activity. This young man conspired with his buddies to murder his mother and his stepfather for his inheritance. Miraculously, the mother lived. She was in ICU for a week, but the stepfather was killed. <laughs> The mother, when she was able to, would go and visit him while he was in prison and let him know that she had forgiven him. She showed him the grace of God. And as a result, he had an encounter with Jesus Christ and he is now serving the Lord today. And I told him, I would really never went down this vein of thinking before in my life until I encountered this young man. And I could see the liberty of God's grace in His countenance, in His disposition. I could not imagine the weight of guilt and shame that I would carry if I'd ever done a heinous act such as this man had done. <coughs> and I shared with him. I said, I don't say that to reusher any bad memories or, or bring any hurt to you today. But I marvel at the fact that you truly believe. <coughs> you truly believe that God forgives. How many people today can't taste freedom even though God has given them freedom because they really don't believe that God can forgive that. I know some people that are still stuck in mindsets. They're still stuck in, in, in activities because they really don't believe God can forgive. And one of the reasons they don't is because God's church doesn't forgive. Now, now, now don't misunderstand me. I, I think we have to we raise that banner of the Lord. And we help people reach that way. I think on the other end of the spectrum, the church today is, uh, you know, don't worry about it. God understands. God don't understand messes. God wants to bring you out and up, not leave you where you are. But don't think because you've done something to get where you are that you can't move out and up by the power of the Holy Spirit through the administration of God's work in His church. Amen. And folks, I think we look around our nation today and we see that our, our nation needs the church more than it's ever need the church. <coughs> I'm baffled by the fact that I see churches closing such as ours. I'm baffled by the fact that churches only having one services a week these days 
My, my, in Hebrews chapter 10, he says that I, I see that some of you how, how are forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, and, and this should not be, for you shouldn't get together more even as you see the day approaching. I don't know about y'all, but I feel like the day is approaching. We need to be in church more today than we've ever been. Amen? But in, in Isaiah 5, you would think that the prophet Isaiah here was living in the day and time that we find ourselves in. <coughs> Listen, at, 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 and I'm going to read down to verse 7, and we're going to summarize that and come back on it. It says, Let me sing now for my well-beloved a song of my beloved concerning his vineyard. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad today that you're a part of God's vineyard? My well-beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill. Can I tell y'all something? We don't lack for anything. Amen? Well, we don't lack for anything. And the devil tried to confuse us. It was Margaret, is that right? Marcet. Marcelette, I'm sorry, I'll get it right in a minute. Marcelette, the devil wants to try to discourage us by messing with our perception. See, y'all, the devil can't touch reality. All he can touch is your perception of reality. See, if, if I'd have listened to the devil when we closed the doors of our church, I'd have thought, Lord, have mercy. God's not as powerful as He said He was. God's not as said He was. Or He would have sustained this. He would have kept going. <coughs> but God's got a bigger church than just one building that we reside in. And, and you recognize that when you, you get calls like Dr. Manley's call to me. Ah, listen, House of Destiny, you're bigger than just the House of Destiny. You, you, you are in fellowshipping in this church, but you are a part of this and And, and we've got to get our minds back in America. We, we try to do our churches like businesses and, and other organizations. Folks, we are not an organization. We are an organism. Amen? And the Bible says, You're my well-beloved head of vineyard on a fertile hill. I don't know if y'all have ever thought about this, but Israel is in an arid location geographically. It's mostly desert. But yet they feed most of the Middle East. I don't know about y'all, but I'm tired of seeing on the news how Israel needs to make peace with the Palestinians. Israel feeds the very people that want to kill them. Now, come on. Now, the news media can try to spin that any way they want to, and they're real good at spinning things. But Israel feeds... And, and listen... And, 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 and I don't want to get sidetracked here because, you know, there's Orthodox Jews who don't believe that Jesus is Messiah. But then you've got Messianic Jews who believe Jesus is Messiah. But the nation of Israel, God has His hand on it. Or it wouldn't exist. And what did Gamaliel tell the men when they were trying to do something with Peter and John? He said, listen, leave them alone. He said, leave them alone. He said, for if they're just rebels, they'll be like the rest of them. They'll die out in due time. But if not, and you find out they are with God, you'll find yourself in direct opposition with God. Today, America, we, we seem to be showing signs that we are no longer Israel's ally as we used to be. 
I don't know about y'all's, but my Bible says, Blessed, uh, He will bless those who bless the seed of Abraham. America needs to be careful. We are trotting on some dangerous ground today because we are finding ourselves on the wrong side of God. We are dabbling in some stuff that we got no business dabbling in. And I don't know if y'all notice, our country is falling apart. Economically, you look around, the devil's trying to divide us by race again. The racial situation in this country is at the worst it's been probably since the 60s. That's nonsense. There's no excuse for it. The Bible says, God's Word says, that if you can't love your brother whom you can see, how can you say you love me whom you can't see? Come on. God's given us everything we need, church. He's, he's, he's planted His vineyard on a fertile hill. Everything we need, we don't lack. The Bible says He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and He owns the hills. Verse 2 says, He dug it all around, He removed its stones, he, and planted it with the choicest vine, and He built a tower in the middle of it, and also hewed out a, a wine vat in it. Then He expected it to produce good grapes, but it produced only worthless ones. We see here, this is a, a prophecy that Isaiah has given the nation Israel. But church, I tell you, I see this prophetic revelation. It was near-reaching in Isaiah's day, but it's far-reaching because it reaches our day too. I feel God is not only talking to Israel in the near time of Isaiah's day, but through Isaiah, the mighty man of God, God is speaking to America with the same prophetic revelation through His prophet Isaiah. God's blessed America. We were a Christian nation. No, we still are. Don't let the devil lie to you and say we're not a Christian nation no more. Don't let nobody tell you that. I had a young man tell me that one day at work. I said, son, we're still a Christian nation. Our government may not want to admit it. <laughs> hey, and the Muslims that's coming into our country right now may not want to admit it. But we're a Christian nation. And God has blessed us because of it. We are the most prosperous nation in the world. Any of y'all ever been out of the country? Let me tell you something. Till you leave this country and go to another country, you won't realize just how great this country is. I see people now, they, all this controversy is about not standing up for the national anthem. Yeah, we got our problems. But let me tell you something. It's still the greatest country in the world. We are still the greatest country in the world. And I don't say that with pride. I say that because... Listen, can anybody tell me what the greatest export America's exported today? Anybody? Give me a couple of answers. Don't worry about it if you get it right or not. Meats? Esther said meats. Somebody else? Automobiles. Hubert, right? Herbert. Herbert said automobiles. Anybody else? Fuel. Ann, right? Fuel. Meats. Automobiles. That's not right. The greatest export out of America is Jesus Christ. 
We've put more missionaries in the world than any other country. You can combine the rest of the world. This nation has more missionaries on the missionary field today in the world ministering to other nations. We've carried more food in the world. Dr. Manley carries food down to Louisiana. I think he's got some work going on with Jamaica. And what, what was other Honduras? We, as a nation, through the ministry of our churches, we are ministering to the world. The minute we believe that we are no longer a Christian nation, we will lose our passion and we will lose our motivation. And that's the reason the devil wants to perpetuate that lie that we're not. I don't care what the government says. Listen, you look on your money, it says, in God we trust. <coughs> it ain't that dollar bill we trust. It ain't that ten. How many of you can say you didn't have a dime to your name and you prayed to God He took care of you? Amen? How can you say money was what you put your trust in when you didn't have any of it, but yet God still took care of you? Amen? How many of you can testify you didn't have a dime to your name, no refrigerator, but a never come knocking on the door three bags of grapes? You got to give God. We are a Christian nation. I can remember the details. I don't want to chase a rabbit here too far. Got so much the Lord's laid on my heart to share with you, but I don't want to be like a Gatling gun and spray you all over the place. But over in Africa, there was this woman who was a nurse. Or she might have been a, uh, what's the one that's a step down from the doctor, they call it, a nurse practitioner. She was over in Africa on a mission, and she was ministering to this village that was impoverished. And, and the kids was just having a tough time. And, and she had this little girl. She had this little girl, this baby, that had been born, but the mother died. And they had no means to take care of this baby without the mother. The mother could not nurse it, and they had no means. They needed a hot water bottle to heat the milk for this little baby. And without a hot water bottle, this baby would not survive. This one little girl came up to the nurse practitioner and said, Miss, uh, I can't remember her name, she said, I, I want to pray. This was a little girl from the village. She'd already been impacted enough that she believed in God. How many of you know that Jesus said, we must have faith like a child? This little girl, she said, Lord, would you please send a hot water bottle for this baby? And Lord, while you're at it, would you send a baby doll for me? Can I tell you all something? That afternoon, a delivery was made to that village. And it was a pretty good-sized box that had supplies in it. You care to guess what was in that box? Now, Herbert... That box had been shipped approximately two and a half months earlier. God hears your prayers two and a half months in advance before you ever pray them. You can't load up a box and ship it to Africa from the time that little girl made her prayer known on that morning and it get there that afternoon. It don't happen that way. You can't get something delivered in Spartanburg County that fast. Much less across the continent. Hallelujah. God has supplied our needs. He's built a tree. And He's also hewed out a wine vat in it. But He expected it to produce good grapes, but it produced worthless ones. 
He said, And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, just between me and my vineyard, what more What more was there to do for, for my, my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why, when I expected it to produce good grapes, did it produce worthless ones? Can I ask y'all something this morning, House of Destiny? What does your fruit look like? Have you got good fruit? Or do you have worthless fruit? We can come to church for 35 years and still produce worthless fruit. I see scandals in the ministry. I've seen preachers have three and four different women pregnant sitting out in the pews. I've seen enabling wives who were so in love with the prestige that they just sat there and clapped and worshipped and didn't mind it at all. I've seen drug things run through the church. I've seen uh, leadership molest young men. Got a problem. God said, My, my vineyard's producing worthless grapes when I'm. Amen. We must ask ourselves today, church, what does our fruit look like? Inspect your fruit and be honest about it. But shut your mouth and let God. Like. I got news for y'all. If you were hush enough, God will still talk to you today. He talked to Hannah, didn't he? When the rest of the world thought she's wrong. Can I tell y'all something? <laughs> it, it amazes me. Before people get in the church, when they go to bars and hang out in the worldly activity, they proud to show out and let people know they're drunk. But we come to the church where the Bible says, don't get drunk on the wine, but get drunk on the Holy Spirit. And we act like we're ashamed to let somebody know that we're drunk with the Holy Spirit. We ought to get to the place that God is designed for us and not none of that stuff where we say, oh, to my mind and He speaks to my heart. No, we need to get to a place in the church. producing good grapes or worthless ones. He says in verse 5, So let me tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it will be consumed. I will break down its wall and it will become trampled ground. The main land of America had never been attacked until 9-11. Until 9-11. Would it be safe to say that God has removed His hedge? Lord, have mercy on us. 
Can God build it back? Yeah, absolutely. But He needs some Nehemiahs. Amen. Hallelujah. God needs some Nehemiahs. Nehemiah told the men of Jerusalem that day at the section of the wall that we rebuild in your home, you keep the sword and the hammer in one hand and the Word of God in the other. Amen. Because they were being threatened. They were being oppressed. And they were trying to be intimidated. Wouldn't it be safe to say that the church in America is at that place today? My God, uh, Dr. Manley, it, the way we're going, it's not going to be too, too much longer. If you ever approach the sin of homosexuality in this pulpit, you could be locked up and in prison. We have a government right now that is uh, advocating that we let grown men go into the restrooms with our girls. Can I tell you all something? I'm a man of God. I haven't been in a fight in a long time. But there was a time in my life that I would dust your britches if I needed to. And if I... In the back of my wife, I don't care if he's got a drug, I don't care what he thinks he is, I will die. Have we lost our mind? While I'm at it this afternoon, I would encourage you guys. Nobody loves sports more than I do. I sat up last night. Lord, have mercy. My Tigers had me on edge. Can you say thank God for Deshaun Watson? Thank God that Louisville was one yard short. But I would ask you, don't watch NFL football this afternoon. When I was three years old, Christmas morning, I couldn't wait to get up and put a football uniform on top of my old pajamas, them that went all the way with the full footies. Loved sports my whole life. The NBA pulled the all-star game out of Charlotte. Because we won't let men use women restrooms. And they can, they can try to spin it all they want to, guys. Don't believe the lies. Don't believe the lies. All it's about is big money. And don't you ever think anything else. You've got corporate America, some of them, that live this lifestyle, and they've got enough prestige and enough financial... They will try to convince you that a majority... Listen, same-sex marriage was put on the ballot... And 36 states in this country, 33 states in this country, including New York and California. My God, if you don't know something's wrong with it when them two vote against it. Overwhelmingly voted against same-sex marriage. But yet the media will try to tell you we are a nation divided. I don't know where they went to school, but when 33 of the, uh, 33 of the states that voted on it overwhelmingly voted against it, only two voted for it. That was Maryland and the state of Washington. 33 and 2, does that sound like it's evenly divided, Esther? But yet people hear the news media say we are a nation evenly divided on the issue of same-sex marriage. We are a nation that has overwhelmingly rejected same-sex marriage. Our and our government is trying to cram it down our throat in spite of what we want. And let me tell you something, church. 
We still are a nation that's governed by the people. If the people will just wake up from their slumber and let our voices be heard. We have to be that squeaky wheel on the shopping cart. Anybody ever had a shopping cart with a squeaky wheel? That's what we've got to be, James. That's what we've got to be. But don't support these organizations that support this nonsense. I was blessed to read in the newspaper yesterday that the Southern Conference will not remove their championships from the state of North Carolina. It saddened me when I read that South Carolina was going to align themselves to try to get some of these championships. We need to be standing with our brothers in North Carolina who's standing against this sodomite and Jezebel spirit that is trying to infiltrate our culture. And I won't even get off track on that. I could preach for the rest of the day on Sodom and Gomorrah. And we better. Because that's the issue that's facing our country today. And they want our children. i got a book right now called The Hidden Agenda. If you ever want to know the truth behind this homosexual activist movement in this country, you read the book called The Hidden Agenda. They want our children. That's why they want in our schools to indoctrinate their minds and mess them up, and it ain't nothing but the devil. And the church had better wake up and speak out against it. Don't worry about losing no tax-exempt status. I don't need the government's help for anything any, because as long as i got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. I've looked in this Bible. I've looked in the glossary. I've looked in the index. I've looked in all of it. And nowhere does it say anything about no 501c3. So I'm not going to get hung up about that. Take what you want from me. You can't take Jesus out of my heart. Amen. But God said, I will lay it waste. It will not be pruned or hoed. But briars and thorns will come up in verse 6. I will also charge the clouds to rain. No rain on it. Now we see in agricultural terms here, but fast forward into our modern time and we see the economic drought that is going on today in our country. Well, why do you think that it was the Twin Towers that was hit on 9-11? Money. That represented the financial strength of our country. And let me tell you something. Who did God use to chastise the nation of Israel when He was chastising them? It was the Assyrians and the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, depending on what era you want to talk about. Can I tell you what? Iran, Iraq, and all the Arab nations over there, they are the Assyrians and they are the Chaldeans. God is still using His enemies to chastise His people. And that just demonstrates His sovereignty. Look at verse 7. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his delightful plant. Thus he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. Can I tell you all something? America needs to hear our voice, church, on the abortion issue. Fifty-nine million babies are aborted in this country. Let me tell you something, folks. New York City alone, over 75% of black pregnancies end in abortion. Now, I know we've got all this Black Lives Matter movement going on right now. If Black Lives Matter, why aren't they protesting these abortion clinics? Let me tell you something. When I seen my grandson born... It was a special day for me. 
God can make lemonade out of our lemons. My daughter became pregnant out of wedlock. And as a pastor, that can be a pretty tense thing. Because you know, people look at us a lot harder than they look at other people. And she had to deal with that shame and that guilt for a while. But can I tell you all something? God is the giver of life. And when that little boy was born, everything that was wrong in the beginning, God made right. Amen? There ain't nothing like the cry of a newborn baby. When my girls was born, I cried like a baby. Some of it was relief because you always worry when the pregnancy. But then it's like, man, they're here. How in heaven's name have we gotten so calloused that we have killed over 59 million babies in this country? I had a lady one time. She was pro-choice. And I asked her. She was vehemently pro-choice. She said it was a woman's body. I said, your body belongs to God. And the life in a woman belongs to God. You know, there's a debate in Congress now. They're trying to decide when life begins. Well, the Bible tells us when it begins. In Jeremiah uh, chapter 1, verse 5, it says, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. Life begins in the mind of God. They're not going back far enough to see where life begins. Amen? But we see in verse 7 about bloodshed. But this woman, she said she was pro-choice. I said, have you ever had a family member that's ever died of cancer? She said, oh yes. I said, I have too. I said, have you ever asked the question, why hasn't God, if He's so loving and gracious, revealed a cure for cancer? Have any of y'all ever asked that? Can I tell you something? Out of over 59 million babies, you reckon we aborted the doctor in the future who was going to find the cure for cancer? Over 59 million lives that had purpose and potential in them. The Bible says that life begins in the mind of God. Not ten days after pregnancy, not two months after trimesters and all that stuff. None of, I'll tell you when life begins. The Bible says that. We've got to get back to what the Bible says. That's what it is. The Bible said that it begins in the mind of God. He said, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. A lot of stuff that's going on. I believe out of 59 million people, they, we have messed out on some stuff that God intended for us to experience. Last part of verse 7, he says, For righteousness, but behold a cry of distress. But behold a cry of distress. 
Now, I want to leave you with this. I want to give you six sins in the rest of this chapter. I don't have the time to expound this whole chapter, but this is a powerful chapter. I would encourage you to go home today and read it. Amen. Be a Berean. Go home and examine the Scriptures. Amen. But I'm going to give you six sins that are covered in here. In verses 8 and 9, excuse me, verses 8 through 10, we see exploitation. Can I tell you all something? I see these preachers on TV. They got these flamboyant houses, flamboyant cars, uh, planes, and just living the life of Riley. And listen, God's not against you being blessed. God's not against that. But listen, there comes a time when God's blessings, you start mocking. Come on. I mean, what, uh, you got some examples in the Bible where the man said, Listen, I, my, my, my bountiful harvest, I have filled my barns. What am I going to do? He said, I know what I'll do. I'll build bigger barns. And the Lord said, Tonight your life is required of you. Folks, there is exploitation in our country. There is greed in our country. And folks, the church might be the worst example. I had a man in our church at Solid Rock Christian Church who came, what, about eight or nine years ago? He wanted to buy me a car. He was a car dealer here in town. You know how people, listen, preachers, Dr. Manley, if a man ever comes in and wants to buy you a car, watch out. He's looking for control. <clears throat> Some preachers fall for that and get entrapped by that. I said, I don't need a car. I've got two cars, and I've got a little beat-up truck. Matter of fact, we let people in the church borrow that beat-up truck who, when their car would break down, and we just kept that truck for that. It was kind of the church's spare vehicle. <clears throat> I don't know how many people drove that old Dodge Dakota. I said, I've got cars, but i tell you what. I've got a single mom in this church of four kids. And every time we turn around, we having to go jump her off or help her with her vehicle because it's breaking down. She could use a car if you want to give somebody a car in his church. Now, to his credit, he did give her a car. Of course, I called his bluff on it. Then, of course, later on we found out she couldn't get a title to it. But we, we, we are, even in the church, especially in the leadership, and, and let, let me say this, this prosperity gospel that they're preaching in the church today, can I tell y'all something? If the same gospel that we preach in America won't preach in Africa or some of the impoverished nations around the world, then it ain't the gospel. I'm not saying God don't bless and God wants us to enjoy life. I'm not saying that's not true. <clears throat> but some of the stuff that's being passed off in order to manipulate today is shameful. I know some people that live in poverty and they are more devoted to the Lord. How are you going to tell them that if you just get more devoted, God give you a new car, God give you a new house, and God... Listen, sometimes God wants to show the world His glory. don't need all that stuff. I've seen some elderly ladies who would get up every morning with arthritic hands and fix breakfast and serve and just had enough to get by every month, but they was at the church every time the day. The most faithful members of the church serve other people even when it costs them an expense of their own. How are you going to tell them that they 
give it up. And they sure don't need to send you some money so you can send them a cloth anointed with some thinking it's going to bless power. I mean, there's some nonsense going on. It's greed. It's exploitation in the church. And people need to wake up. I'm going to move on. Like I said, I want to land this plane. The, the second sin that we see it is, it is in verses 11 and 12 deals with drunkenness. Listen, church. There's a church right up the road here. It's the largest church in our state. It's the third largest church in America. And it's called New Spring. Boy, y'all done got quiet on me now. I preached a sermon one time against New Springs and lost some members. If you want to know why our church is closed down, can I tell you why? We preach the truth at Solid Rock Christian Church and we're living in the last days and the Bible says that people can no longer endure sound doctrine, but they will set up for themselves teachers and preachers that will tickle their ears. Amen? Listen, they just fired their preacher because he had to check himself into a, a rehabilitation because they said he was abusing alcohol. Can I tell you for the sake of time, I won't go there, but in Proverbs 23, God told us, don't even look at alcohol. <coughs> you talk to any law enforcement officer that will be honest with you, he'll tell you the number one problem in our culture today is alcohol. It's a gateway drug. I can take you into many homes that's been ravaged because of alcohol. I can take you to graves of innocent people that's been hit by drunk drivers because of alcohol. Alcohol is a tool of the devil. How in heaven's name would churches tend to make it less than that is beyond my comprehension. I grew up in a home where my stepfather was addicted and hooked on alcohol. And let me tell you something, it was a living hell every day of my life. I almost went to jail one time at the age of 16 because I split his head wide open with a Coca-Cola bottle because he was doing nonsense that was brought on by alcohol. Alcohol is a demonic instrument. I had a guy tell me the other day, we was on this debate, he said, well, Jesus drank wine. I said, no, he didn't. He didn't turn water into wine. We've learned that. In church, because preachers are scared to teach the truth today because they're afraid their members will leave who want to drink alcohol. When you go and study the original language, and every preacher who has ever been in, in study and, and will learn that there's three words in the Hebrew and the Greek. Three words. One's a generic word. Three words that the English translations use one word to translate all three. And can anybody guess what that word is? Wine. One of those words really translates fruit of the vine. Has anybody ever had a grape that was fermented when you pulled it off the vine? Tom, I haven't either. I love grapes. Jesus turned that water into grape juice. Why would God tell us don't look at it in Proverbs 23 and then come over and turn it into wine in John chapter 2? God don't contradict Himself. I've always told the people at Solid Rock Christian Church, you let the Bible interpret the Bible. Don't let a man interpret A man will make this Bible say what he wants it to say to suit his agenda. And God's left nothing out, James. 
If God told you in Proverbs 23, and again, you be a Berean, you go home and read it. Don't take my word for it. But he said, when the wine is stirring, and it's got a red tint to it, he said, it's poisonous as a viper. Leave it alone. Matter of fact, don't even look at it. How many in here this, this morning has been impacted by alcohol in your life in some form or fashion? And it ain't been a positive manner either, has it? It's a damaging product, isn't it, Ann? How much better would our country be today without alcohol? I've seen women. I, matter of fact, there was a, the second night of our men's retreat. Uh, the speaker on Saturday night abused his wife before he got saved. And it was because he drank every day. And he would come home drunk. Matter of fact, the man they just shot up in Charlotte. I don't know if you heard it. And I, and I don't know, you know, where you come down on that or whatnot. And stuff's still coming out about that incident. But it comes out that the law has been to his house numerous times where he has beat his wife, pulled a gun on her. He was bad to drink and do drugs. Matter of fact, he was smoking marijuana when they pulled up on him that day. You won't hear all this in the news media. And he beat his eight-year-old son. He hit him in the head with a pistol one time. He has been arrested numerous times on gun charges. This is a guy who floats a gun around at the beck and call. But alcohol and drugs were the backbone of the problem. How many th stuff do we see that alcohol is the incubator? How many of y'all know somebody, man, they're just as good as gold. But you let, them get, you let them get some of that devil liquid in them and they, they just act like a fool. I mean, good. you couldn't find a better person. But you let them get drunk and they act stupid. Let me move on. The third one is taking sarcastic pride in sin. In verses 18 and 19. Taking sarcastic pride in sin. Man, I've seen people just mock God today. I, I mean, just mocking. Take quick, and I'm trying my best to land this plane. Me and my wife, my wife was there to experience it. I mean, I, listen, <clears throat> if, if you get into the spiritual warfare in the trench level, you'll see God work in miraculous ways. I was called to a house one night up in Campobello, South Carolina by a lady we went to church with. She discovered her son and her daughter-in-law were involved in a form of witchcraft called Wicca. Have any of y'all ever heard of Wicca? It's witchcraft. They even had an altar in their house with candles and all kind of stuff. And it just, Kathy was just destroyed. She was just crying. She wanted me to come up there. I went up there. She wanted me to talk to them. I got up there. They really weren't looking to be uh, evangelized. They were really looking to mock God because they had taken sarcastic pride in their sin. Matter of fact, as I began to leave, I was there about four or five hours. It was probably about 4.30 in the morning before I got home that night. And we had to get up and go to church that next morning. And, and I, before I left, I said, man, I'd be remiss if I left here and didn't, didn't close in prayer. Uh, would y'all allow me to pray with you? I, I just want to pray with you. I, I want to pray for you. I'm not doing it to offend you. I'm not doing it. I, I know you've said you don't believe in God or any of that. I, I, I want you to pray uh, for that. And, and the boy said, well, I, I really don't believe in God. He said, if God's real, ask God to knock down that big tree in my mama's front yard. That's what he said. Now, me, at that time, being limited in my faith, 
I looked at him, and you know how we are. We limited in our faith, and we'll even use Scripture to substantiate it. I said, well, you know, the Bible says God says not to put him to a foolish test. I thought, Whew, I got out of that one. I went to bow my head to pray. Oh, I'm sorry. I went to bow my head to pray, and God said, don't you run from this test. Remember I told you a while ago, God will talk to you. You get intimate enough with Him, He'll talk with you. He said, don't you run from this test. I picked my head up and I looked at that young man. I said, what tree are you talking about? He said, that big old oak tree right out there at the edge of the yard. There were three of them right in a the line. They sort of served almost like a natural fence at the front yard. and They were big. Three of them right in a row. He said, you tell God knock down one of them trees and if He does it, I believe there's a God. I said, you got it. So when I prayed, I said, God, you show your glory to this young man. You knock down that tree. That was on a Saturday night. I think it was that following Thursday, wouldn't it, Ron? It's been a long time. Wednesday or Thursday, lightning struck that tree. That tree fell into the middle tree, knocked it down. It fell into the third tree. It didn't knock the third tree all the way down, but they discovered that the third tree was so rotten, they cut it down anyway. I can take you to that property today in Campobello, South Carolina, on Melvin Hill Road, where there once were three oak trees. They are no more, because my God can do abundantly and above and more. That boy and girl has now divorced. He's remarried. And from what I understand, he has given his life to the Lord. It didn't happen overnight. But let me tell you something. A seed had to be planted when he looked up in his mama's yard across the road from his house and said, them trees ain't there no more. And I remember what I told that old mouthy preacher. sarcastic pride and sin. The fourth one, and I promise you we're going to land the plane. Confusing moral standards. We're calling what's evil good, and we're calling what's good evil today. Listen, church, I, I, I love everybody. I don't want you to think for one minute that I have a bent toward people who live the homosexual lifestyle. I don't. I want to see them be redeemed. I've seen a patient that died of AIDS. If you've never seen that, it's the worst form of death I have ever seen. The worst case of cancer does not come close. Don't tell me you love somebody when you will continually substantiate and let them live a life that you know is going to end like that. And don't let the news media lie to you. Over 45% of the people that live the homosexual lifestyle die with AIDS. Over another 40% die in suicide. So 90% of the deaths of the people that live in the homosexual community either end in suicide or AIDS. But the news media wants to try to make us think they're okay, they're just like we are, we just don't understand. No, 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 you don't understand. I know these people are trapped in a form of bondage and they need to be set free. It's not because I hate them, it's because I love them. I want to see them set free. On this same men's retreat I was on, I had a powerful weekend. Anybody, y'all, anybody play golf in here? Got any golfers? No golfers? Putt, putt. No better than I hit it, I ought to play putt, putt. 
Well, you don't have to play golf, but Dr. Manley, any of y'all, uh, next September, we go every year in September down to Hickory Knob State Park. Anybody ever been to Hickory Knob State Park? Down in McCormick? I mean, it's out by itself, buddy. You, you need to have them sabbaticals where you get out to where, hey, cell phone service don't even work half the time down there. A gentleman who had struggled with the sin of homosexuality for years. He's married now with children. But I'd been noticing that I thought he was lapsing. He had a powerful weekend. Matter of fact, he didn't want to go initially when we invited him. We do it out of the weight room I go to, Nautilus Fitness Center in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Wonderful gym. I plug my gym right here on Church Street, across from the library in Spartanburg. If you like to work out, lift weights, you don't have one. It is a Christian environment. Fabulous place. John Langford and Marilyn Langford are the owners. <clears throat> but uh, this gentleman had a liberating weekend. I think he'd been dabbling back in some uh, pornography and things of that nature, but he had a liberating weekend. He cried like a baby the whole weekend. And he wasn't going to go. He, matter of fact, he even testified he was having anxiety. I don't think he thought he would fit in. And let's face it, there are some men who try to be so macho, they want to look down and cascade people who struggle with stuff. And really, they got their own insecurities they don't want to confront. It's the reason they act like that. Listen, church, we, we, we need to help people up, not hammer people down. But now in helping them up, don't lie to them and be an enabler. That ain't helping them. We are calling what's evil good and what's good evil today. We are confusing moral standards. The fifth one, being conceited. Man, we are a nation. I, I watch these ball games. And these old boys, they'll, they'll score their touchdown and do all this and just do all that. Man, back in the day when I played, if you didn't give the ball to the referee, you would run till you could not breathe in practice the following week. Now these coaches just let them showboat and do all this stuff they got no business doing, and then they wonder why they got so many fights and stuff in the game. Listen, if you're beating me 45 to 7 in the game, the last thing I want you to do is get up in my face and taunt me. We're going to have a problem. I'm already having a tough time dealing with getting beat 45 to 7, and then you're going to come over and taunt me? We got issues in, and it's you. But there is a conceit. It's, it's not just in the sports world. Just a conceit in the entertainment. Well, like I said, even in the church. Conceited. That is a sin that God has condemned here. And the last one, perverting justice. There is, listen, there is a perversion of justice in our country today. People is getting by with stuff they should not be able to get by with. And we need to wake up about it. The church needs to be heard on these issues. I go to a pastor's briefing every year in Washington, D.C. called Watchman on the Wall. Dr. Manley, I don't know if you've ever heard of it or not. You and your wife, you ought to go. You ought to go with us one year. You'd love it. Tony Perkins and the fine folks, they put it on every year. I mean, it is great. It is fantastic. <clears throat> and they educate you on what's really going on on Capitol Hill that affects the church, that affects the family, and that affects our freedoms. Guys, let me tell you something. I don't know how much you keep up with what's going on today, but if we're not careful, we are giving our freedoms away in this country. I mean, it is getting 
plumb scary with some of the stuff that is going on. And we need to wake up. As I said a while ago, and some of y'all might think I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but I'm telling you, if we don't wake up, there may be a day that Dr. Manley is preaching in his pulpit and you see those doors open up and they come and lock him up right in front of you. We are living in a day when they are telling us that uh, we should allow just anybody that wants to come in our country, come into our country. Folks, I don't know about you, but if you want to kill me, I'm not inviting you into my house. And we don't need to invite them into our country. I mean, well, they're all not that way. If I gave you, Tom, a pack of M&M's, and I told you three of them was poisonous, how many of those M&M's would you eat? Why? Because you don't know which three are where. As far as Islamic immigration goes into this country, we need to shut the door. Don't leave your country and come into my country and try to enact Sharia law that you say you're trying to escape from over there and you want to come and try to enact it over here. Get back where you came from. Get back where you came from. We've got to wake up to this stuff. And a lot of people, if they hear that and they say, Oh, that's far-fetched. Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. You're an alarmist. No. It's happening. Go to Dearborn, Michigan. Go home and pull up on your internet, Dearborn, Michigan, see what's happened to Dearborn, Michigan. It's been taken over. Go over to England. Churches in England are now mosques. And something you need to understand about the Islamic religion. It's not just a religion. It is a power structure. They want to take over the world. The reason why they wanted to build a mosque at Ground Zero was because in the Islamic religion, they have mosques for two reasons. One is a point of war, and the other one is a point of worship. They wanted to build a mosque at Ground Zero because they deemed that a place of victory, a place of war. And that's why they pushed. Thank God they didn't build it yet. But we need to, keep, we need to watch these things. Too many people are watching the Big Bang Theory instead of watching what they need to be watching. Amen? There's a lot of stuff going on right now that we need to be paying attention, church, because we are called in the Bible to be the conscious of the culture. We are called to be the salt and the light. God give us two commissions in the Bible, and I promise you I'm landing this plane. He gave us the Great Commission where we are to take the Gospel. But He also gives us the Cultural Commission where we are to be salt and light. If it ain't right, we need to let the world know that ain't right. Amen? I want to ask you, what kind of fruit are you producing? Where is your level of service for the kingdom of God? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're at that place right now where you feel like, man, my, my fruit could use some work. My, my fruit could use some work. I want you to just lift your hand up where you sit. I see those hands. I see those hands. My fruit could use some work. I, I, I need God to do a little pruning in my life. I need God to do a little hoeing in my vineyard that He's planted me in. 
I, I need to be that Christian preacher that, uh, that uh, I, I'm a thermostat, not a thermometer. I don't reflect the temperature, I set the temperature. If you had your hand up, and Dr. Manley, if y'all want to come and play something, if you would. If you had your hand up, I want you to come up and join hands in a prayer circle right here. And I want you to pray a prayer of commitment that my fruit's going to be sweeter for the kingdom. My, my, my fruit's going to be different. I'm going to improve my fruit. I'm going to improve my level of service. I'm going to be the kind of Christian that Jonathan Edwards said, Lord, set me on fire and let the world come watch me burn. Ignite me, God, with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me be that man or that woman or that child that the demons of hell know who I am. They know who I am. Not just Jesus, but the devil and the demons of hell know who I am. Because I am that mighty of a force for the kingdom of God. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary pure and holy
I'm free. Nothing's about, oh no. Oh no. He's resting. Oh yes, Lord. It's such a blessing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm free. Thank you, Lord. Well said, well spoken. Truth. Truth. The undefiled truth is what we all need. Certainly want to thank everybody for coming out today. How many of y'all want CDs? Come on up, baby. So do your usual, and we'll come back, and I want you to release us in a benediction, would you please? I want to thank everybody for making it out today. God bless you. How many want CDs? Get with Brenda. We give them away. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's give God a hand clap for his word. Amen. 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 We just, we thank and honor God, and we thank and praise God that we heard uh, the, 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 the plea from God or even the questing, what kind of fruit are we bearing? You know, we're living in a world that needs to see our fruit, and it needs to be good fruit for the Lord. Amen. Amen. And there was just so much there, and there's so much knowledge, so much wisdom God gave. You know, as God planted that vineyard, he, he expected to see good fruit, but yet he didn't, he didn't find that. 